Hey everyone, before we get started on today's show, we just want to thank you for your listener support and some of the feedback you've given us. Really, really appreciate that. And if you want to send us a message or any other feedback, you can send it to trickleuppoliticsshow at gmail.com. That's trickleuppoliticsshow at gmail.com. And maybe you've been watching the impeachment hearings or watching Liverpool or something like that. Well, let's keep it real. That's only me. <laughs> um, I know, cross Atlantic reference. But regardless, maybe you're watching the Super Bowl. But remember, through all that, to like, subscribe, and share. Uh, whatever the YouTubers say these days, I think that's kind of the template there. <laughs> uh, just whatever your platform allows. Um, please do that. That would be so, so helpful. And we would deeply, deeply appreciate that. Anyway, we hope you enjoy today's show. We have a good show for you. And we'll go from there. All right. Enjoy. All right. Welcome to the show, everybody. Um, I hope everybody's had a great week. And this is Trickle Up Politics. This is Levon and Sean. Hello. Hello. The greatest of all time. <laughs> I didn't realize we were. I didn't realize we were going to Tom Brady. Oh, see, I I stole that title and and from him implied it to you. I mean, oh, I'll gotcha. give I'll give you the the seven rings and everything. <laughs> well, when it when it comes to football, there's no doubt about the goat. <laughs> that was a. Uh, yeah, that's interesting that he could just walk in and just be like, let's go to the Super Bowl. I'm going to choose a team and go to the Super Bowl. And Bruce Arians, you're going to lead us there. And Tom Brady is going to. Yeah, be- I think it's more Tom Brady than yeah. Bruce Arians personally. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, what, what, uh, what I have to say is I really wanted Tampa Bay to win. And I really wanted Tom Brady to lose. And I'm not sure how that happens. And it didn't happen. But I'm glad that Tampa Bay won. Yes. And I am too. um, Because, okay, not to get too into sports, but I got to say, there is a UW alum, Vita Vea, who plays for the Tampa Bay Bucks. And I'm glad that the Bucks won because he is playing for them. Anyway, that's part of our weekly roundup, right? It's the Super Bowl. It's, (laughs) It's, you know relevant to america that's for sure Um, and and bruce springsteen throwing down the the unity commercial there for jeep Jeep. yeah yes absolutely and so um then now we go into this week we are recording on a wednesday so we had uh some pretty historic things happening we're in the midst of the second impeachment trial for the 45th president of the United States, yes, Donald Trump. Um, and, you know, we're two days into that. Um, really, the, the first day of that trial um, was really impressive, and in my opinion, uh, from the house managers um, who are, are acting as the prosecution, if you will. And, you know, I, I don't know if you got a chance to see the video that they played. I have not yet. No. Uh, and I'm, 
I'm upset that I hadn't uh, yeah. recording this. I'm, I'm telling you, man, they were, it was, I think it was a little over a 10 minute video that they played and it, it was powerful stuff in terms of taking Trump's own words, both those spoken on the sixth and uh, tweets and showing the devastation that happened mm-hmm. at the Capitol on the sixth, you know, it's just, I, I don't know how the Republicans come out of this unscathed. It, it just blows me away that anyone could watch what happened that day and listen to Trump encourage war right he he used language of war and pointed those folks at the capitol and you know it's all there it, it it's nothing's manufactured this is all reality mm-hmm. it's all what happened and yet you know josh holly there's reports of him putting his fucking feet up on a desk and you know acting like the cocky little prick that he is mm-hmm. um you know that i just really hope that that guy gets voted out of office in in this next go round because he is he is a virus himself but you know i just i don't understand where the where the republican party is going so that that's one of the major events yeah seems uh so there's part of me where I'm like, yeah, it seems quite clear where the Republican Party is heading and it begins with a Q. And then I'm like, okay, then I'm like, okay, maybe not because you have, you know, I don't know. It's like weird because it's like you have like Mitch McConnell, you know, and it's like, okay, you have that wing of the Republican Party who really used to be the <laughs> fringe right, you know, they used to be the tea yeah. party. You know, and now, you know, I know it's this old, you know, thing of like they keep going further right and right and more extreme. And it's like, what is going to be more extreme than QAnon? Jesus. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah so, it, it, yeah, I don't I'm, I'm puzzled w- with what the, where, where they are headed as well. And, well, and I think, you know, that's another that's another event uh, of the last week. Uh, was the Republican Party going into a closed door session uh, mm. on a secret ballot voting to see if um, Liz Cheney was going to retain her leadership position in the House, which she did by a fairly convincing margin, but that was a secret ballot, right? Um, and, you know, in that same meeting that Liz Cheney is you know, uh, vying for her political life uh, and and the party is deciding if she's going to be in leadership still. They also have this crazy fucking QAnon, Marjorie, I don't even know her name. I, I refused. There you go. MTG, <laughs> um, you know, stand up and give her speech in which you know, there's reports that she got a, 
a rousing round of applause and that several people gave her a standing ovation. And so you have these two crazy extremes of that party uh, because Cheney really is her, I mean, she's her father's daughter, right? She's exactly. a, a long time kind of establishment Republican. And then you have MTG who's crazier than Trump and the party is attempting to hold on to both sides of that. Um, and I just, whew. Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah, yes, it is. And that's the thing is that <laughs> you would never expect that the Cheneys, the McConnells would be at a losing end. Would right. be, I would never imagine that in the Republican Party. Never. If you told me the Cheneys were on the ropes and they are going to go, to go down for the count. Five years ago, I'd say, no, you're, you're completely insane. There's no, what force could there be to, to have them against the ropes? Oh, shit. You know, <laughs> so if that could put them against the ropes, oh, boy. Um, and so that, that's just the thing, though, is that it, it puts us in that position of, are they is there going to be a republican party is it does it begin with a q instead and and what does that do with policy and of course all those questions start to get you know we start to think about and everything and and how really unified can you be around essentially a conspiracy theory so not essentially yeah 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 it is a hundred percent Hundred conspiracy theory, right? Like I, right. I just don't want to leave any room for yeah, negotiation yeah. about what that is. Right. Um, but I, I think you make a, a really valid point about the Cheney family and kind of these establishment Republicans that have been around for so long, all of a sudden having to kind of negotiate a minefield of what it, what do they do because of their base is radicalized and as long as there is mtg and holly uh and cruz you're not gonna you're not gonna de-radicalize uh in any short amount of time right because they're sitting in halls of power giving these conspiracy theories legitimacy mm-hmm and that's why, you know, I, I, I appreciate that the Democratic Party made people put on the record their support for MTG. Um, and, you know, they, they removed her from her uh, positions on committees. different committees. I, I do fear what, what that establishes moving forward in terms of a precedent but I think it was the right thing to do to mm -hmm. force people to say, yes, she deserves to sit on a committee when she's this, you know, out there yeah. uh, talking about not only QAnon and all of the, you know, pedophilia weirdness that that <laughs> particular group believes in, but she also was questioning 9-11 uh, yep. whether that was an inside job or if it even happened yeah. uh you and know she parkland, harassing the parkland kids yeah so i mean she is she is so far out there that 
you know, it, it's good that people had to go on record about that. Um, but it shows the fear of that base and how crazy that base is. And when it comes to those establishment Republicans, they have to take ownership of this crazy, mm-hmm. right? We've, we've had this conversation in the past in terms of the idea that the Republican establishment has been attacking the legitimacy of our system for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is that framework that they've used to, to create the crazy that we have now. Mm-hmm. It, it is that, it is, yeah. it is their fault. The Southern strategy, it all kind of stems back all the way to that. Well, I think, yeah, Southern strategy attacking welfare moms Mm -hmm. and, you know, acting as if there's humongous fraud in the system and all of those kind of things, right? And it really, the establishment really went after entitlement programs and kind Mm -hmm. of tried to delegitimize that piece of the government. But in the process, they created a base of people who just don't respect government. Right. Because they believe that government is the problem and government is a huge amount of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you make up, you, you know, you have a good point there with, with the establishment Republicans and everything. That's why it's like, sometimes, you know, you think about like with the, the Mitt Romney's, the Liz Cheney's, you know um, you know, that, that establishment wing. And it's like, sometimes I'm just like, no, nah, man, you know, you guys, like you said, you enabled this for so long. It's like, nah, we ain't good. We ain't good, you know? And, you know, I- No, you're just reaping what you sowed at this right. point. Like, we ain't, yeah, like we are not, no, I mean, like you see that, it drives me crazy. You see that on network TV, this honorable gentleman from Massachusetts or Utah. It's like the honorable gentleman of Mitt Romney. It's like, oh, it just drives me crazy because it's like, no, that that, that establishment party- the party the establishment of that party enabled that for so long and now it's morphed into this absolute bonkers looney tunes shit and yeah so, and it's really time to either we have to step pay, up yeah right and we have but, to pay for that yeah and and, but, and now they're winning <laughs> they're, they're winning elections yeah yeah step up and save your party and, mm-hmm. and do that by being honest, by voting to impeach this president who, who clearly violated his oath of office. Mm-hmm. He did not protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. He aimed an angry horde of radicalized, crazy individuals directly at the Capitol uh, and with the the whole intent of disrupting the democratic process that is not defending the constitution right 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 so unless they vote to impeach him Mm -hmm. they continue to be the problem absolutely and at least you know it's like yeah you could have those civil civil discussions with them about policies and such like that but the thing is in the you know with with the establishment republicans but the thing is in the end your action is what matters in politics that's what matters all comes down to that vote speaking of vote 
<laughs> what is the common thread that kind of comes from January 6th, the elections, everything like that? What is that common theme, Sean? Well, yeah, we, we wouldn't be having this conversation uh, around the insurrection of the 6th of January, except for the Electoral College, right? I, I mean, that, that really is at the heart of this conversation, that antiquated system based around uh, slavery, really, um, and mm -hmm. Southern states wanting to maintain uh, their own power and uh, legitimacy, right? Uh, so a, a system based in racism led to an insurrection of a horde of individuals proclaiming their Western shiver, uh, Western chauvinism, yeah. right? Like that, that that's full circle if I've ever seen it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a perfect way to illustrate that. Um, and what a quite a different world. So you're talk, talking like, hey, if we weren't here, we wouldn't be talking. What a different world that would be. Holy shit, if we didn't have the Electoral College. Um, well, we would have never had Trump. Right. Oh, yeah, no. Well, of course not. Yeah, I... I and I think when we talk about the Electoral College, really, that there's so many places to start. I mean, it, it's relevant because of what's happening today. But honestly, let's go back to uh, George W. Mm -hmm. and Al Gore mm -hmm. and the fact that, you know, George W. would have never been president. Florida right. would have never mattered uh, because he lost the popular vote. Right. Uh, right. Two of the last four presidents lost the popular vote. Yeah. They uh, happen to be Republican. Right. Right. Yeah. In this century, uh, you know, <laughs> and, you know, you, you make a good, you know, you make a point there. Yeah. We wouldn't have George W. Bush um, in the first week. That was the first election. But I reckon that, you, you know, even even in a different system, like maybe you don't even have got, you know, presidents like Reagan or, you know, presidents like or Clinton. Uh, because it'd be a whole nother format where you, you know, an, another candidate would have run because really, I think if you go on a popular, popular vote, you have to put your ideas and your policies out there more on your, you know, wear it more on your neck. Right. Um, you can't just hide behind these battleground states, right. You got to appeal to the wider audience. I think that'd be right now, of course, a weakness of the Republicans big time right now and even even the democrats well i think it is somewhat a weakness for the democrats it's, it's a it's a bigger issue for republicans and and that proves out just in the the vote totals that we've seen over the last couple decades around national elections and we know that the republican party is the minority party they maintain maintain power through structures like the electoral college structures that were based in racism and which still perpetuate mm -hmm. systemic racism mm -hmm. because they do not provide an equal vote for every individual. And the electoral college was, you know, part of the basis of the electoral college or the debate in which uh, they were having 
is where the idea of the uh, electoral college, you know, part of that debate debate is where the idea of uh, slaves, black men, uh, counting as three fifths of a human being, in the calculation of the the representatives uh, that would go both to Congress and ultimately uh, that same number is what makes up the electoral college, and so. Um, southern states to agree to become part of the union were given uh, this accounting this this literal you're not fully human counting of human beings uh, was part of this conversation around uh, the electoral college and i i think it's just important for us to recognize the innate racism that's built into that but also the idea then that not all votes count the same still mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. When we look at uh, the overall population of states like California and New York, we know that those votes disproportionately count less uh, than votes from states with lower numbers of uh, individuals in them. Many of which have lower numbers of people of color in them. And so they have disproportionately high number of electoral votes uh, versus a disproportionately low number mm -hmm. of people of color. Mm -hmm. and, and so we have you know, a, a consistency to the problem that started at the very beginning of the problem when we're counting human beings as mm -hmm. less than human beings, yeah. literally. Well, and you even see that with where Trump was targeting, right? Where he was targeting those, those, uh, the election fraud, which was Milwaukee, Chicago, not Chicago, uh, um, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, um, Detroit, Atlanta, Detroit. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And, and that's, and that's that kind of that modern or that, that kind of manifesting in that modern way too, where it's like, um, you know, de uh, dehumanizing uh, people of color, you know, and, and that they're stealing this election, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, with the, well, with the electoral college, so there's an interesting little thought, thought pro uh, project with this. In 1824, um, Andrew Jackson lost where is this? This is from, so this is from the AP. I'm going to read this real quick. In 1824, Andrew Jackson won the pluralities of both the popular vote and the electoral college, but not a majority, sending the election to the House of Representatives. There were three other candidates like Jackson, members of the Democratic slash Republican Party, or Dash, I should say, John Quincy Adams, William Crawford, uh, Henry Clay. Clay threw his support to Adams, sealing the victory for Adams, who made Clay his secretary of state, irate, irate at this corrupt bargain. Jackson quit the Senate and ran again for president in 1828. That time he won. So when you quoted or when you referenced him a couple of episodes ago um, in the inauguration of, of not showing up to the inauguration, that, that did happen. So he did not show up to that inauguration because he felt that it was stolen from him. Um, huh. So that, in a sense, kind of nearly 
in a way ended our <laughs> electoral process, that situation. Um, if if it blown out of proportion, right? If it, if it had gotten escalated even more, but Jackson had conceded. So what happens in a scenario, and this is a what if going into this little segment, <laughs> um, that in the future with, with the Republican party and the Democratic party, we're, we kind of have these different wings uh, starting to form, right? Progressive with, with the Democrats and Democrat, just establishment Democrats. And these, those, these other parties could start to form. You never know, right? Um, this is kind of a wild scenario, but what if we come to a brokered election, right? And it goes to the House of Representatives. House of Representatives aren't going to choose, you know, uh, AOC, for example, right? They're going to choose like, uh, I don't know, name your, name your establishment Democrat, right? So let's say AOC wins the popular vote, not the elector, doesn't garner enough to 270, maybe even wins more than Nancy Pelosi and the house of representatives says, no, Nancy Pelosi is going to be president. Well, you know, I, I think you bring up a, what if that we should go back in history and talk about a little bit, because when the founders developed the electoral college, the, the idea to them was honestly that it would end up at the House of Representatives all the time. That's really what they thought is that there was no way because you have to remember there was there was no parties at this time, right? That's true. And, There's like and, 20 people running for president. That's true. Yeah. And in fact, the the founders of this nation thought that the idea of political parties would be the death of our democracy. Like they, if you go back and, and read a lot of, of their beliefs, they thought the political parties were an awful, horrible idea. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that turns out to be very true. But they, they honestly believed that there would be so many people running that even the electoral college, once it met, would not be able to make a decision ever. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is what they wanted. They wanted it to come to the House of Representatives because they believed themselves better than yeah. everyone else. They thought they were more informed. They thought they had a, a better understanding right. of who would make a good president. And so part of the Electoral College was just made as a way to get what they ultimately wanted, but didn't want to put into the Constitution, which was a bunch of rich land owning white men making the final decision of who the president was going yeah. to be yeah exactly it filters out who yeah so it, your question it, I, I think is interesting because it would it would end up being what the what the forefathers actually thought it was going to be mm -hmm. and yet in a totally perverse way right? Mm -hmm. Because we've created political parties, we've created these divisions within our, mm -hmm. our culture. And so it would no longer be the House of Representatives picking who they thought was the best statesman, which is what our forefathers had kind of the luxury of imagining, um, kind of that American idealism that I talked about. Mm -hmm. um, no longer is that what it would come to, it would come to an all out brawl, in the House of Representatives between, you know, the far right, the far left, the center right and the center left. Uh, because really, we, we are at four parties at the moment. Yeah. 
they're yeah. clinging to each other in hopes yeah. of not destroying the power that a two-party system allows them because there is a lot of power there and we're back to a marxist discussion now but um ultimately i, I think it's an interesting question i don't think it will ever happen as long as we have uh, the two-party system that we have today. Yeah. Unless we have a really strong multi-party system, even a three-party system, I see I see it being fairly uh, unlikely that we would get there. Yeah. It, it definitely increases the possibility of not having the 270. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in, at, at that point, man, uh, I I think what we saw on january 6th yep. would be child's play yeah. compared to what we see it would be an out, out to that it'd be outright constitutional crisis that's for sure and yeah. yeah and that that brings us to that yeah exactly it brings us to like that that place of like almost like it this it needs to happen in a sense for us to really look at the electoral college in a way i don't want that to happen i don't want a constitutional crisis of course but it almost seems like, you know, with this, with the United States, it's like, oh, um, we don't see that train coming. We don't see that train coming. We don't see that train coming. And, oh, there's that train and now it's going to hit us. Right. I, like you said, like, I doubt that that comes to down to that, but it certainly could in our divided political climates. Right. And what does that look like, you know, 10, 20 years from now? And so that that's, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It would be an outright war uh essentially um between factions and yeah uh quite possibly a civil war wow we went down a dark road we did go down a dark road but i you know i i think that there's some reality to to what we're talking about here i i mean hopefully um calmer minds would prevail in that type of situation but it it would it would be a very trying time for for our constitution and our republic Mm -hmm. and uh it would it would test us like we've never been tested before believe it or not even more than now yes yeah absolutely because it would not be the test would not be coming from um an an inflamed uh radicalized minority Mm -hmm. uh I mean, although that is still a possibility that one of those fractions would be that, Uh, but, you know, let's look at it as, you know, three fairly common minded political parties um, vying for power. And that could create a, a lot of tension within our structure, it also could potentially lead to some really great compromise. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what a multi-party structure would do for us. Mm-hmm. However, I, I think the electoral college cr- would create such drama that we we have to get rid of it before yeah. we have oh, a strong multi-party system. The electoral yeah. college really benefits a two-party system, but once you're outside of that, uh, that two-party system, I, I think it begins to create severe problems for uh, especially Congress and the right. House in particular. And that's what I say, you know, with people who say, you know, oh, vote third party, vote third party. It's like, yes, I agree that we do need more parties in our in our system of uh, democracy. 
but the thing is, it's like if there was a strong, robust party, kind of like we were talking about, goes to the House of Representatives. You think they're really going to choose that third party? No. They're every single fucking time, freaking time, they're going to, <laughs> they're going to uh, choose the the uh, the Democrats or Republicans. They're not going to choose, and so that yeah, that that frustration could build and everything like that. Um, so essentially, though, I, I kind of thought of like some, you know, it's a good thought exercise, right? Some of those, um, uh, you know, solutions like we, like you were kind of alluding to there. I don't know. So, so this is kind of just a blanket statement. So reforming the existing structure, I don't know how you could reform the existing structure. It's the electoral college. It is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, and there, there is absolutely no way. Uh, that we're going to have a constitutional amendment anytime in, in the near future with where our politics are today. Yeah. And there is absolutely, uh, I, I mean, if any Republican voted to, to nix the electoral college, uh, I, I, I don't even know. I, I mean, I, I could potentially just keel over dead right there. That is I, how surprised I would be because I it is a damn party. <laughs> it is one of the only structures that that and gerrymandering, right? The ability to gerrymander the, those two structures are what allow them to stay in power as a minority party without those two structures, the Republican party is dead. And so I, I just, <laughs> There's no way. No. And yeah, so that's the thing is like that the the other sort of options that that would that I had kind of thought of was a straight popular vote, of course, is something that everybody kind of defaults to, right? Um, again, like you're saying, that we would have to have a constitutional amendment and constitutional uh, convention, which I don't think happens in our lifetime. Um that does not happen in our lifetime, but th there's another way. There is another way. Not not for a constitutional amendment. There's not, obviously. But there's mean? another way to go to a straight popular, popular vote. vote. Yeah. To bypass the electoral college? Yes. Well, you would not bypass the electoral college in, in the solution. Right? There, there is already a pact of multi there's multiple states who have joined a pack i was getting um, to that what well, i'm sorry that i'm like ahead of you and you know just I'm nailing back, this back shit here. down i'm, I'm just here. nailing it down back here in 2000 <laughs> anyway go ahead go ahead uh, uh, no so i mean uh, i i think that's the most viable route is that pact yeah. right is is the fact that these states have all come together and said as soon as there are uh, enough states who have joined this agreement to make up the 270 electoral votes that are required mm -hmm. um, to, to win the electoral college. They will all cast their votes for whoever wins the national popular vote, not their state's popular vote, but the national popular vote to ensure that the popular vote winner is the nominated nominated choice um, for the presidency. Right. I see that as the only possible way of getting there. Yeah. So it, it kind of brings up the same sort of challenges though, as you know, 
does Texas go along with that? Does Alabama go along with that? Does Florida go along with that? I mean, you could get Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, uh, you know, um, North, I mean, not even North Carolina, right? So it's like that, that's, that, that's another separate challenge as well. But the more that do sign on to that, right, those, those states don't matter at that point. It's only, you know, Florida, Texas, because Texas will be a swing state. Um, and and uh, North Carolina is just the Sun Belt, really, at that point, if, you know, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, you know, sign on to that, then it's, okay, then Rust Belt is kind of out of play now. So you eliminate that sort of um, battleground state uh, deciding elections, right? And then it's then it's the then it's really put into the focus of the Sun Belt, which now everybody knows. Okay, that's kind of bullshit. Like, <laughs> why is everything focused on the Sun Belt? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So I, that's what I was yeah kind of getting to was um, the the signing on of packs. And, and I think that takes time. It does. Uh, it takes a long time. Um, you know, I, I agree with you that a lot of that is going to be time. I, I think there's a couple of things that could play into that to speed it along. Right now, progressives, Democrats, um, because they're you know, not necessarily the same, one and the same, I think are are pretty bought into this concept and understanding of of why it's important. And I think that you see progressive states already in the pact. You see a few democratic states already in the pact, right? So those hard blue states or dark blue states, if you will, kind of the the sky blue states Mm -hmm. are there Mm -hmm. and I think it's going to take those purple states to to really get across the line. And and what could impact that, one, is an election like we just had, mm-hmm. um, where it's close enough that Trump creates all of this chaos out of it. And, and he was, you know, his chaos is his chaos. But I, I think, I think a, a moment where moderate conservatives or even just moderates themselves see more of the impact could really push us over the line uh, in terms of some of this. Mm-hmm. It's also going to become though, a gerrymandering plays a huge part of this, right? Unless people are willing to put it in an initiative and roll it out in their state, this is really coming from legislatures. And as long as gerrymandering exists, legislatures are going to lean righter than they should or more conservative than they should. And so we really have to uh, address that issue as well, right? Right. It's a huge part of the solution for all Mm -hmm. of this. So Mm -hmm. um, I I think if you could could really impact uh, the makeup of state houses and if you could really message out to uh, those purple states uh, the importance of this, right? And how it actually would benefit us as a country uh, because you never heard of fracking, right? Like 90% of this country has no idea what fracking is nor would it ever impact fracking. us. Frack. And, and fracking actually is like 
this tiny little niche industry mm-hmm. in a couple states, but because those states happen to be swing states, our whole fucking country is having right. a conversation about fracking, which impacts 98% of us, 0%. Yep. Right? Right. Yeah. Like exactly. 0%. And, and this is the type of problem that we have right now in our national politics is we're not actually addressing issues that need to be addressed because candidates are spending 90% of their time in 10% of the states. And, and the issues of those states become very important. Mm-hmm. And yet the issues of our nation are pushed to the side and we're not having those real conversations. Right. Yes. So issues like, you know, like like we, what we always talk about is uh, income inequality, um, healthcare, um, issues that are systemic racism, that issues that are all over. Um, but yeah, they, they hyper-focus in on those those ones that are unique to those states, like we saw in 2008, right, with the financial collapse and everything, it's like the automotive industry. It's like, yeah, that's important. That is important to it. There was, it is an important issue. It was important to everyone. Uh, but at the same time, there was, there's much more about uh, income inequality and, and, and the financial collapse to make that right than just the automotive industry, right? Yeah, that 100%. Was just, yeah, that was just Michigan. So, um, like I said, I'm, I don't want to take anything away from that. That was very important at the time, and it is important. But um, yeah, there's uh, much more uh, to focus on there. So anyway, yeah, that was that was much more important than fracking ever will be. In this <laughs> yeah, country. exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was like when I started saying that, I'm like, oh, God, I got. I'm using a bad example. How am I going to pivot this? But I'm like, yeah, but it's, you still can, right? Because there's much more that we yeah. should have done in you know in 2008, and it's like you know imagine bernie sanders running back then right <laughs> so um i and i really hope uh you know with that with that uh solution uh that you we kind of laid out there is also ranked choice voting that's just going to throw that out there yeah i mean i i'm good with ranked choice voting i i think that's actually potentially a harder sale for some oh, people yeah. Uh, than getting rid of the electoral college, but um, and I think I think that's kind of my my take on just Americans, right? Uh, they don't really uh, Americans are not uh, huge fans of like let's give you an opportunity to to have multiple choices. No, like make up your fucking mind and you know pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get it done. But, but for college for college football fans, I mean that's that's the wheelhouse, man. <laughs> good point. It's a good point. We so could all I, we could all yeah. I support that. I yeah. I do believe that we have to address the electoral college uh, if we if we really want a strong multi party system, though, because uh, as soon as we start having to have that debate on the house floor uh of who is actually going to become president man it, it i i just have a lot of concerns about what that does to us as a nation it, it'll be very hard uh, really hard to come back from that in the end but yes good discussion today um 
let's uh, do our little roundup, wrap up, wrap down. Um, what are you looking forward to in this next week, Sean? I, I am looking forward to to seeing the rest of the uh, impeachment trial. I I think that it will be an interesting process. I'm I'm curious to see where establishment Republicans land on this. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think the far right there, there's no question to me, but I, I am really curious about where, where the establishment of that party is headed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so, and will Mitch McConnell, you know, come out being at least a, a pseudo better person at the end of this, or will he continue to just be Skeletor? Um, I, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I'd like to think that he has an ounce of, of real love in his heart for the country that he served this long. And, and I'd like to see that come through. So um, I think that that's what I'm most tuned into right now. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm a little cynical tonight, but um, <laughs> applying a, a, a kind of a theme from uh, English Premier League soccer is it's the hope that kills you and when it comes to someone like mitch mcconnell like that's the only only theme that kind of comes to mind there when it comes to will he make the right decision it's the hope that kills you so i hope for the best (laughs) in that um anything else you're looking forward to this week um some snow possibly here in yeah, the right. here in the pacific yeah. northwest that's not something we see a, a ton of so have some um, good times with the girls then. yeah yeah maybe some good times out in out in the cold with the girls uh i was invited on a date night with my daughter so i'm hey, gonna get nice. to do that that'll be cool um you know i'm i i also am hopeful I, there's i just keep hearing more and more people getting vaccinated um <laughs> So I, I'm, I'm hopeful that we're headed in the right direction there too. I, yeah. I know that it's been a really poor rollout to this point, but it, it sure seems like we're doing a little bit better uh, every week. And, mm-hmm. you know, if we can do a little bit better every week, then, you know, come, come a month or two from now, we'll be, we'll be rolling it out quick and fast and, and it'll be really meaningful. And with Johnson and Johnson coming out, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll make this my last statement. But I'm I'm really excited, especially for the population that you and I work with. Um, mm-hmm. You know, folks who are are using substances on a regular basis, uh, chronically homeless folks, to have a single shot vaccine out there to provide to them, so that we don't have to try to chase them down for a second mm-hmm. shot. Uh, when they are so transient, those kind of things. Uh, I, I think that'll make a huge difference in terms of, of treating kind of those higher risk populations. And I'm, I'm really excited about Johnson & Johnson getting through this process. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, that, that will be huge. Uh, yeah, really a game changer um, on a lot of different fronts, especially with, with vulnerable populations in particular. Um, so yeah, um, for myself, what I'm looking at over this next week is actually a lot to do with the coronavirus, right? Um, is there's a study that came out of Israel because they have most of their uh, population vaccinated. 
Um, and they found in a few studies, um, I believe it's Pfizer, that um, the viral load is cut uh, up significantly. And it's less likely that somebody will pass, somebody with a vaccine that has been vaccinated will pass, uh, be a carrier of the, of the disease. So I think that is uh, something I'm looking at is these developments and these studies that come out of Israel because they're kind of that case study. They have most of the, their population vaccinated. So I think that, that will be interesting to see if that's a trend. Um, yeah, well, that's, that's really the, the second study I've heard of. Um, I know that there was a, I believe it was AstraZeneca in uh, Europe also came out with some data that uh, viral load was significantly reduced yeah. um, with folks that had taken that vaccine. So yeah, I mean, that, that is really promising. It, I would just absolutely love that uh, because yeah. I'm vaccinated and my, yeah. the rest of my family is not. So, yeah. you know, the fear of still being able to bring that home uh, is really frustrating. Um, yeah. So to know that that would be reduced would be amazing. Plus, uh, you know, for healthcare workers, especially uh, to know that they don't have to quarantine if they're exposed, those kind of things would really allow us to keep more people on the front line. So yeah. and, really, and, really big stuff. And society back up and running again, really. I mean, like, cause that's one of the biggest question marks was that is are people going to still be able to carry it? And if they do, then we still have to have this, uh, era of, of this. <laughs> um, so, and the other study that I looked at that I saw was, um, the first dose of what I think it was Moderna or Pfizer. I don't remember. Um, is that it's actually more effective than they thought the first dose was actually more effective than it was over 50%. Yeah. And that was a, that was a Moderna. It, at least I, I saw a study related to Moderna and that fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Okay. So that is also promising in another, these, these vaccines that have been, you know, these articles that I've been reading of, they've been all been pointing to these vaccines are highly, highly effective and uh, more effective than they ever, ever with, have thought of. It sounds like, I mean, that's just kind of the quotes that I see from, from, you know, disease specialists. So um, encouraging, encouraging, encouraging and get vaccinated if you're able to. Um, Another thing is like yourself, I'm looking forward to the snow, looking forward to a snow day, um, spending pint time with my wife, you know, doing a, having a snow day and then Valentine's day, of course. And then, yeah. Um, and I've been watching. I this cannot show. believe that you brought Valentine's day into this podcast. Well, yeah, you got to spread that. It, out, it is like the most hallmark of hallmark fucking holidays. What hey, a bunch of shit that luck. you brought in here spread it i'm gonna give you a card now that's what i'm gonna do. spread hey. that capitalist love hey, i would i was cynical you all better get me some fucking chocolates as well <laughs> motherfucker i will i will I'll, I'll leave them on your pillow and there better be some gold jewelry with that shit too oh how could i do without because the only way you show love levon <laughs> is through buying me shit that's it that's exactly right yes that's the and only that is way. Valentine's so, Day in a nutshell. Yes. As well as Father's Day and Mother's Day. Just putting it out there. And Christmas. I, I equally you know, dislike Easter, them. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, at least Christmas has a good history of, you know, 
laying its own religious foundation on top of that of other religions to try to squash them and put yes uh pretty much everything is corporatized and, and monetized in some sort of way um <laughs> but yeah um and then i've been watching this uh i've been watching so i i got on apple tv and i watched um uh ted lasso it is so effing hilarious is this is this like you just found ted lasso you watched it i watched it like six months ago bro oh man it is so good so hilarious yeah (laughs) not just it's not just hilarious man it is hilarious but it's good it is like the happiest a show has made me in a really long time you're just like yes if i could just know ted lasso my life would be better oh yeah and if i could just be a little bit like ted lasso everyone's life would be just a little bit better jason sudeikis man he oh he kills it yeah he's got to get an emmy for that got to get an emmy for that um but yeah, so I can't believe you just found that shit. I don't, yeah, I can't believe it either because me being a you know, Premier, you know, Liverpool yeah. supporter, Premier League, uh, and a you know, Sounder supporter too. So yeah, um, but hilarious stuff. And then I finished the series, but um, hilarious. And then I listened to a good uh interview by Mary Trump, uh, kind of like what we were talking about just before we um got on here um it was uh with ron ron steslo um check it out if you can um it's just she just kind of brings up the, the mental health aspect of the of the insurrection it is a really interesting approach and lens of that anyway any final words sean nope. okay well Next week, we will be covering Marxism. Oh, he's just throwing it out there. Marxism. We are going to be th- covering Marxism and how it's, uh, uh, of course, we try and relate everything to the current day. So that will be interesting. Um, and Sean has is very knowledgeable in that. Um, so it'll be an interesting conversation anyway i hope everybody has a good week and of course stay safe may peace love and joy be with you all this has been trickle up politics goodbye we hope you enjoyed today's show and just a reminder uh you could send us a message trickle up politics show at gmail.com And once again, like, share, subscribe, or share, subscribe, or like, like, subscribe, share. I don't care what order. It doesn't matter. That'd be wonderful if you did all above, really. But um, thank you again for your support.